This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Hey, welcome into Kansas Talk this Saturday, trying to get you up and moving for another weekend right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM, KQAM. Hey, great to have you along for the ride today. We got a heck of a show lined up for you. It's going to be a fun one. I didn't realize, I guess I did realize it. It's just hard to imagine sometimes that Governor Kelly seems like she's a little bit holier than now with the rest of us. (laughs) Is it true? Uh, I don't know. According to some of the news outlets, sounds like they're trying to justify her actions each and every day. I find it ironic. I know. Yeah, I find it ironic. we got a lot to talk about today. It's going to be open lines to you right now at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, I would love to hear from you today. We have a great lineup of guests, a lot of people we want to chat with today. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, state representative from District Number 74. He is my state representative, Stephen Owens, up in the Newton area. He is going to be joining us. He is one of the few. uh, There are more now, and it's growing. There are a lot of state legislators that are signing now their own petitions or signing their own uh, uh, pieces and getting them notarized even, saying they want a special session in the state of Kansas to talk about these OSHA vaccine mandates. So we'll get him on the show coming up at the bottom of this hour. And we'll talk about his thoughts on a special session. Is it time to do so now that OSHA has come out with their mandates, what they want to see at the beginning of the year? Businesses across the state of Kansas are already trying to implement these COVID-19 vaccines. So what the heck's going on there? Why are they already trying to implement them? What are you doing to try and fight it and stop it? What can you do to try and stop it and fight it? And we'll talk with Stephen Owens about that at the bottom of the hour. Hour number two, we have Michael Austin. He is with the Kansas Policy Institute, and he's also a candidate for our state treasurer position. So we'll chat with him about his race coming up. Uh, Really excited about that one. And we'll talk to him about a few things. The state budget, we'll talk about taxes, We'll talk about inflation. Also, this laughable, laughable desperation from Governor Laura Kelly about this eliminating sales tax on food, the 6.5%. It's a good thing, but is she really going to do it? Is it a political campaign thing? Is it a political tactic? Of course it is. We'll get into all that here in just a second as well. So we'll get his thoughts on that. Plus, to wrap that up and talk about some of that a little more in-depth, plus with some of the other budget issues, Dave Traubert with the Kansas Policy Institute will be joining us to wrap up our number two as well. So a big lineup. we got a heck of a lot to talk about today. And uh, great to have you along today. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. We have some phones, uh, some calls on here. I'll get to you in just a second. Real quickly, though, there is a comical piece of news here. Again, with this holier than now with Governor Laura Kelly. According to the Topeka Capital Journal, she doesn't feel she needs to actually get a COVID-19 vaccine test. Yeah, I know. I know. Hilarious. Now, she was at an event. At a grocery store, conveniently, she's she's doing these weird pictures and these weird videos of walking with people doing their grocery shopping. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had some random person just like randomly walking with me through the entire grocery store trying to buy my groceries with me, I would feel a little conscious about that. I'd be like, you know, I really don't need you to see me buy all these frozen pizzas that I'm going to eat later on and, you know, be concerned about my weight or things. Come on, man. Why are you walking around with people? That's just kind of creepy, isn't it? I'm going to follow you around in the grocery store and see what you buy. 
I mean, what you could do if you're really trying to make a political stance, you could just like sit at the cash register and watch what the ending price actually is. But my parents, just for example, my dad would always, when they would do grocery shopping, we do the big thing, we go to the register, and then he would walk away because he didn't want to see the final bill because it would always make him grumpy. <laughs> so he would always walk away. He would never want to actually look at the final bill when we would pay. So he would do all the grocery shopping, he'd throw in some stuff, have a good time, and then he would like walk away and go look at something while we would actually pay because we just don't want to look at that. It's kind of a personal thing when you go grocery shopping. But instead, we have Governor Kelly who has lied the in the last three years of her administration, blatantly lied about doing what she wanted to do. Now, all of a sudden, she's going back to the same old, same old. It doesn't make any sense to me. If you remember all the way back when, and I know that we have a short-term memory here in politics. Everybody does. It's unfortunate, but we got to remember these things. We are the elephants in the room with the long-term memory here. we got to remember, when she ran... For her first term, she campaigned on two things. Her big two primary foundational campaign points where she was going to be the education governor to try and take care of teachers in the education system, which she's kind of sort of done. I mean, she doesn't care whether we're bankrupt or not. She's still going to increase that funding for education. That's already 65% of our entire state budget. So she did that. But the second part that she campaigned on, what she was going to do, was she was going to eliminate that 6.5% sales tax on food. Now, just for those that may not know and have always lived in the state of Kansas, we are only like one of five or six states in the entire nation that actually taxes food. And it's stupid. And it's absurd. And it's ridiculous. And you want to talk about punishing everybody, including the low... The, uh, the lower class and the lower income individuals, that's how you do it is by taxing food because everybody purchases food. Now, you could go one of two ways with this. You could say, all right, if I'm going to tax food, we're going to get rid of income tax. We're going to go back to the old school way of doing things by, by sales tax and uh, government tax revenue just based on consumption. And if you do that, all right, then you know what? Let's keep it in place, but let's get rid of all the income tax. Or... I doubt the income tax is actually going to go away. You do a sales tax reduction, at least on food, and get rid of sales tax because you don't need to be taxing someone for something that they need to survive because that's really, really stupid. And even if we went to a sales tax or a fair tax consumption tax and got rid of income, I still wouldn't advocate for taxing food in any way, shape, or form because that's really, really dumb. She campaigned on this. I remember her campaign that we're going to eliminate that sales tax on food. It was her two major platforms. Then she gets elected. It was a hot race. She wins a whole seven counties of the entire state of Kansas. She goes in there, and they say on day one, the legislature said, fine, we've been trying to do this forever. Here's the bill to eliminate sales tax on food. When are we going to get this done? And her response is the typical, like, you know, I, I really don't want to see you, so I'm going to try and, like, play nice and just kind of push it off down the road in a very, very generalized way. If, when things calm down, when the dust settles a little bit with the economy, when the economy stabilizes a little bit, that was her response on day one. When things calm down a little bit. Now, if you know politics, things don't calm down. If you know the economy, every single day is a challenge. Every single day is something different. This is the same lady who said while we're wanting to calm things down in the state, that very first year in the state, we did a retroactive tax increase by the new budget that started in July of that year to do a tax increase for the first six months of the year that businesses and individuals didn't even know that they were paying. While she wanted to settle the score, set, let the dust settle, let the economy stabilize a little bit, this is the same hack 
of a governor that did a retroactive tax increase for the first six months of the year that screwed up the line, uh, screwed up the uh, the finances for every business in the entire state that raised your taxes when you filed taxes the next year as an individual because she wanted to stabilize the economy. So she had no intention of actually getting rid of sales tax on food. Now, fast forward three years later, we've gone through the COVID-19 pandemic. The economy's still hard. Uh, the economy's still trying to recover a little bit. She has been a crazy fascist on trying to force mask mandates and everything, which will bleed into the whole COVID, uh, COVID vaccine response that we'll get to in a second as well. We're still not recovered from this, and now she's realizing that she has been emotional. She has been reactionary. She has had a horrible approval ratings in the state of Kansas. Even the Democrats don't like her right now, and she's trying to salvage what little bit of popularity she has by going back to the same old trench of going back to the, we're going to eliminate sales tax on food in the state. Why now? Because she's desperate. That is the one and singular only reason. You don't go back to the same campaign talking points you did three years ago, hoping that it's going to work again when you didn't do it the first time. And now, just thinking out loud here, I think the economy is a little more unstable now than what it was three years ago before she got into office because of, you know, a whole like, you know, global shutdown with a pandemic. Just throwing it out there. I think the economy is a little more unstable right now, isn't it? But nonetheless, now is the time she wants to start pushing for the COVID-19, or uh, pushing for the sales tax on food to be eliminated. And by the way, this was after Derek Schmidt, the other Republican candidate, the attorney general right now, is pushing for the exact same thing because Republicans have been trying this for the last how many, however many years. We've had numerous bills that included the sales tax reduction. Anywhere from just doing a single 1% sales tax reduction on food to eliminating it completely, she's vetoed one bill. It didn't get through the legislature and other bills. She's openly said she didn't want to address that for a long time. Why? Because she was enjoying the $450 million a year that it brings into the state with that sales tax on food. And now she's out there walking with people, being a creeper next to their cart, in the grocery store making statements with all these nice little banners in the grocery store saying axe the food tax because all of a sudden she's making this a massive campaign tactic for people to be like, oh, wow, she's going to save me some money. Or she's saying, oh, I could save you 500 bucks a year on groceries. This is going to be great. You could save some money. Realizing that we've had tax receipts coming in larger than expected, record number of taxes coming into the state. The state is doing just fine between federal bailouts, between the tax revenue coming into the state. Now she's like, I guess it's okay. I guess we can cut this now because she's desperate. What a liar. What a hack. What a manipulator. And someone who's extremely desperate. I call her the the angry librarian because she's got that weird like short bowl cut. She's got those glasses she speaks so quiet, and when she speaks firm, and she tries to really make a point. And now she's realizing her poll numbers are down. She has no chance of actually winning election next year again, and she's desperate. So she goes back to the same old thing, but now she's really going to make it happen. So the next question is, will it actually happen in this next legislative session? I believe it will. I believe it will actually happen. Because Republicans are like, well, finally we can lower taxes on food like we've been trying forever. And she's going to use it and take all the credit for it, try to go after Republicans for really working with her and bringing her, uh, bringing Republicans on her side, bringing them into the bipartisan manner, and then saying, you know, I got it done. Look at what I did my final year of my first term. It's time for you to reelect me for a second term in office because look what I did for you. Regardless of Republicans trying to do it for years, regardless of her trying to veto it, regardless 
regardless of her trying to shut it down for the last three years and even uh, voting against it while she was in the state Senate for the last 20 years prior to that and her trying to fight against it because we love that government tax revenue. Now, all of a sudden, Republicans came to work with me on the issue. Republicans came to work on my side and tried to work in a bipartisan manner with me because I did it for you because that's the only, seriously, the only thing she has to try and win in the election next year by saying that she got rid of the sales tax on food. That is the only thing she has. She cannot go on her record on the response from COVID-19. She cannot go on her record as what she's done as governor outside of that because she hasn't done anything. She's increased government spending. She flopped majorly with the Candace Department of uh, of, of whatever with the social programs and all the fraud, the $700 million in fraud that went out based on hackers getting into our systems and false claims uh, for unemployment claims during the COVID-19 pandemic. She has no record to stand on. The only thing she can go after now is saying that she cut sales tax on food, something that Republicans have been doing for years, something that Derek Schmidt had already come out and said he wanted to do, and now she's stealing the Republican talking points to try and win in a Republican state because she's that desperate to stay in office. You might want to cover up, Laura Kelly, your desperation showing just a little bit. 316-728-255. We got the calls lined up. Let's go to you here, shall we? I want to get your thoughts on all this. Line number one, good morning, who's this? Hey, Andy, it's Sean. Sean, what's happening, sir? Hey, dude, nothing but sunshine and a hot cup of coffee. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about. Yep, yep, and then some beer later for uh, when I entertain myself listening to Joe Pags. Anyway, I'm ready to talk taxes, but first, I got this really heartwarming human interest story I'd like to tell you about. I think you'd like if you're interested. Go for it. About, about the, um, a couple of weeks ago, there was this... Uh, married couple uh both of them 60 years old and well known in the community for uh doing charity i guess i mean i never heard of them but uh so anyway it was their uh apparently it was their 40th wedding anniversary and and uh they were trying to decide what to do for their anniversary when uh, all of a sudden right out of nowhere poof comes this uh magic fairy okay and so uh Magic Fairy, you know, congratulates them on their wedding anniversary and all the charity that they, that they do and, and uh, tells them that they each one have one wish coming to them. Okay. So she asked, so she asked the wife first, she says, uh, and what would you like for your uh, wish? And uh, the missus says, well, you know, I'd like to have enough money to take a trip around the world with my husband. So the fairy waves her wand and poof. Now all of a sudden she's got enough money to take that trip. And then she turns to the husband and asks him, what does he want for his wish? And he says, you know, I'd like to take that trip, too, but I'd like to do it with a woman 30 years younger than me. <laughs> so the magic fairy waves her wand and poof, now he's 90 years old. <laughs> I like it. I like it. There you go. Real quickly on the tax thing, what you got? I, got, I want to get some other calls here as well before we run out of time. Yeah, well, it, it sounds like she's trying to uh, pull an FDR. Yeah. FDR facing defeat and uh, uh, for a second term, you know, and when he uh, when he got uh, Social Security, I, I believe this was second term uh, that he was running for. 
Yeah. Well, and you got to remember, FDR eventually ran in four terms because he died in office and he he loved his power. But you're right. I mean, it is ironic to yeah. me that progressives, when they start to lose, they use conservative stances and conservative talking points by cutting taxes uh, to try and win re-election because obviously it's a popular thing. And uh, she even makes a comment during her whole thing is that, you know what, we, uh, you know, we like the idea of cutting taxes to put money back in the pockets. Quote, this tax cut will help our families and help Main Street, uh, help our Main Streets. This tax cut will help Kansans spend their money in Kansas, not going across the borders to buy groceries. They know they admit it. They recognize the tax increases spur the economy and keep money in the pockets of the individual to be able to spend it on how they want to, to help spur the economy locally based on actually investment in our state. This is a weird talking point for someone who says that we need to tax individuals more because, you know, they're evil and have too much money. And we got to tax businesses more because they have too much money and they're they're evil and just a bunch of evil rich people. They recognize that when you cut taxes, it actually invests in our state and they actually have more money to spend on their own. What a wild concept. Well, what some uh, what 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 Democrat politicians and even some Republicans don't understand, unlike businessmen, is that the reason why you, uh, uh, you take Texas, for example, they don't have a state income tax and uh, they're, they're not having money problems. They got people and businesses moving to their state left and right yeah. because uh it's, it's tax friendly state and it grows their population and, and they got so much money coming in from other sources that they don't need a state income tax. Yeah, they don't well, if we did the same damn thing here, then we would have more people moving to the state, more business, you know, and we could grow, we could grow the state's economy and then we could grow the treasury without, and, and, and eventually get rid of the state income tax. And yeah, yeah we, we shouldn't even have a, a grocery tax. Yeah, it's you know, stupid. I mean, you, you really want to talk about punishing the, the poor people, the less fortunate, the lower income brackets, which they always say they're there to try and help. Then, yeah, put a tax on food is something that everybody needs and try and punish those because even they're going to be uh, being able to afford less groceries. Now with the inflation rates as well, and now that we see 6.2% inflation rates, thanks to the Biden administration and the Democrats just spending massive amounts of money, uh, that's not helping as well. So you have now a 6.2% inflation rate raising the price, that's just the baseline price of groceries, then a 6.5% uh, tax that we have on food here in the state of Kansas. You're looking at above the regular price of food, you're looking at a 12% increase on groceries just overall that's the insanity that we're up against sean i appreciate it my friend i i love it appreciate it have a great weekend i'm gonna get some other phone calls here as well but that's what we're up against right now a 12 percent increase in your food in kansas with our inflation rate and our sales tax all together that's why she's realizing oh crap maybe i should start changing course here and like every time when democrats get a little just uh on edge and start getting a little desperate they take conservative stances we're gonna put money back in your pocket we're gonna cut the taxes on you so you can invest back in the state kind of ironic line number two good morning who's this this is frederick frederick how are you my friend uh, two points. Number one, we're so damn worried about uh, tax on food. How about the dollar and thirty cents extra that we're paying for gasoline that all of us are paying? 
Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's. I'm telling you, there. Things are going to get really tight. We have us producing less oil in the country, which is ironic because we were energy independent just a year ago today. Uh, but apparently, we can't do that anymore. Now we have to rely on OPEC to send us more. So gas prices are going up. That's also because of inflation a little bit as well. We could see utility rates in gas, natural gas. If you use natural gas to heat your home or anything, go up between fifty to a hundred percent this winter compared to what we saw last winter. Yes. And number two, I watched the county commission meeting this week on television, and one of their concerns was the fact that uh, and uh, the city managers, I mean, the county managers spoke on this, and they're investigating, okay, how much money is the county going to lose because we're not going to have the revenue from the food sales? Then what kind of, they didn't say it, but what kind of tax are they going to have to implement to make up for that? In other words, are they going to take it out of one pocket? I mean, and put it in the other pocket or vice versa. So in other words, they're saying, oh, the state might get rid of the sales tax, but we're going to lose money on that, so now we need to put in a county sales tax on food. Yeah. Well, I don't know about a county sales tax on food, but you're going to lose the revenue, and what are you going to do to make up that revenue? You just can't just say suddenly we're going to zero out the food tax. Okay, where's the money going to come from? to make up for that. This again goes to the old adage that Ronald Reagan used to talk about was that government needs to figure out what to spend on based on what income they have, not try and find the income they need for the programs that they want to spend on. And that's the mindset that we've really gone towards. And it's a standard, just default position for people to think, well, they have to spend it on this program. So we just have to find the funds to be able to cover it. We just, I mean, it's essential. We have to do this and we can't even think about shortening or downsizing the size of government. How dare you even consider that? We just need to find additional revenues to be able to cover it because just like the private sector, they have to grow and they have to find additional money every single year. You know, Andy, uh, uh, Biden, this joke boy Biden and this uh, governor, they say they want to help the poor people. Okay, but the deal of it is I'm financially secure. I'm, I'm fine. And I can afford the extra dollars for gasoline, I don't, I don't, although I don't like to. But what about the people that are just barely making it? That extra dollar and thirty cents yeah. per gallon is killing them. Yeah, oh, it is ridiculous. But again, this goes to the mindset of, well, they're victims now. I guess it's time for you to get on the social programs. They're trying to increase that social base that's on the program so that way it never goes away. And they can get that over 50, 60 percent of the population on those social programs so that way they have complete control over them. That's This is the teetering line. The ones that are right on that line of like, I, I'm maintaining right now. I'm doing okay. I'm sustaining on my own. Oh, no, things are more expensive. Gas is more expensive. We have a 12% increase on groceries. We have can't find anything in the stores at all for consumers. Going into the holidays, things are more expensive with a 6.2% inflation rate year over year. I can't afford this stuff. Now I'm not making it. Guess I need to get some supplemental assistance. That's what they want. They're trying to... Well, they say they're they. Well, they complain about the middle class shortening. They're the ones killing off the middle class and putting them down below the middle class and getting them on these programs intentionally. Yes, and another thing is, I'm so sick and tired of people coming on the radio, politicians, and everybody else feeling sorry for themselves. Like, like, like one of the worst things I ever saw was some kid going to school with a Black Lives Matter tennis shoes. Now, yeah. what kind of message is, are they sending to that child? Yeah, I'm, that I'm, child, should, they, they should teach that child to stand tall, stand proud, no matter what race you are, and just go straight ahead, no I'm, matter what 
What, what has happened in your life? I'm right Teach there with you, Frederick. Stand tall and stand, stand proud. Stand proud. I, you're right. You're right. It sounds like you listen to the voice of reason. Stand up, stand proud. That's what we do. Uh, Frederick, we got to take a bottom of the hour break. Always appreciate it, my friend. Always love chatting with you and have a great weekend. You're right. I'm telling you. It's the intention. We'll talk more about this when we come back. State Representative Stephen Owens will talk about sales tax. We'll talk about vaccine mandates and more coming right up here on Kansas Talk. You're listening to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on The Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM, KQAM. By the way, that last conversation we've had this last half hour on sales tax, Governor Kelly trying to get rid of that on the food. I'd Over the week, throughout this week, during the fun conversations and the nice little pictures of her like stalking people in the grocery store, walking alongside them, what are you buying? How much does it cost? I can save you money. It's kind of creepy. Uh, during some of those posts that she had been making, I made some comments on her post because, I mean, why not call her out for the hypocrisy and the lies over the last three years and got into some discussions with some of these supporters. I invited them to call into the program today to try and defend their position on why they think that she actually is going to do what she says she's going to and then some discussions about the state budget. So uh, you're more than welcome to 316-721-8255. The lines are open for you. I'll put you to the front of the list. But before that, let's get into our next guest here. Super excited to have him on the show. I want to shift gears a little bit. We saw him a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, up in Topeka at the rally for the against the COVID-19 vaccine mandate as we're looking at the health freedom. And we've had health freedom, uh, Kansans for health freedom on the program, along with other health advocates as well. And where are we at now? Because now that we've had these rallies, now that we've had these hearings from committees in the legislature trying to show how this is already impacting us. I, I get messages still every single day. I've gotten at least one or two every single day for I don't know how many weeks now of someone saying, Andy, even though OSHA hasn't implemented these, my business is already starting to put these mandates in place. What do I do? Or just to let you know, these are the details of what they're doing. This is what I'm planning on doing. And I still encourage you, again, if that is what's happening in your business, do not quit your job. Let them walk you out because that can start the litigation to try and stop some of this madness and see what we can do to stop this. What we could do, the best case scenario, is be able to pass these regulate uh, pass these uh, quote unquote safe uh, sanctuary state stances whatever we can in the state of Kansas saying that OSHA can be null and void that we can stop this madness here in Kansas and let our businesses make their own decisions now if you're a business and you just choose to do so I pity you and I really hope half your employees just walk out because they don't want to deal with that crap but that's your prerogative if you choose to do so on the line let's talk about this and more as he's been one to sign the letter saying that he's open to going to a special session and a few more have jumped on board as well super excited to have on the program with us my state representative as I saw his uh, post on social media just a couple of days ago state representative Stephen Owens what's going on brother how we doing Doing fantastic, Andy. It is a historic day in Kansas that for the first time in the history of our state, the legislature has has compiled the needed signatures to compel, to force the governor to call a special session, and we will be meeting on November 22nd. What a historic day it is. November 22nd is the official day. So I heard that date floating around as a rumor, but it's official. We're heading up there. 
It is official, 100%. Um, the governor actually uh, ordered, um, wrote out the proclamation yesterday uh, pursuant to the state of Kansas Constitution. I posted it on my social media page, uh, facebook.com slash rep.owens. And uh, and you can see that proclamation here. So yes, we'll be we'll be going back into session Monday the twenty second at ten a.m. That is such amazing news. Now, what's mind boggling? I guess not mind boggling. I mean, it's against everything that she's preached about the entire pandemic throughout the last year and a half. But it makes sense when the desperation shows of going into election season, realizing she's not very popular, is that she has come out openly against these vaccine mandates, saying that there are better ways to do so state by state. Uh, although she's been one that was like, oh, yeah, mask mandates last year have been like crucial. And we have to do that. And I wish the government would do that nationwide. And, you know, she's been all about that. Why the change? And uh, do you think that we're actually going to be able to let's talk about some of the legislation that could potentially come out of this special session and what you guys could actually do? Yeah, absolutely. Let's be realistic, man. Talk is cheap, right? It's easy to put out a press release as, ooh, I don't necessarily agree. But at the end of the day, the citizens of Kansas are looking for action. Yeah. They're looking for leadership. And that is exactly what they've received from the Republicans and the legislature. As a matter of fact, uh, every single Republican in the Kansas State House and every single Republican in the state Senate signed on to this special petition. Uh, only one Democrat... Um, I won't mention his name, but only one Democrat did sign on to call this special session. So uh, still, you know what? It's it's all it's all politics, right? Uh, Governor Kelly realizes that if she stands any chance in the world, she's got to start talking moderate again, right? Because what we have seen is very liberal, very drastic left wing policies that she's been enforcing upon us. Yeah. And she knows that that is not going to bode well for her come election day. So what do we do? Eh, we start making a couple couple of statements make people think that, oh, we're getting back into that moderate space again. Try to bring over some of those moderate folks. But look, uh, the smoke is clear. It's very clear that uh, that we're going to have a new governor in a year. Yeah, I think the, the signs are going to be there. How long do you think that she can keep up this moderate charade? Because she has been, as you mentioned, very radical over the last uh, you know three years as governor right now. And according to what I've heard, the Democrats were, uh, were sending out mass emails to their constituents and, and to their elected officials saying, do not sign this petition to try and go into a special session, reminding them not to sign this thing. So it was a shocker that one actually signed it. But if they don't want a special session, then how in the world are they still supporting Governor Kelly, who's actually advocating for you guys to come back and do this? Uh, no, no. Let's be clear. Governor Kelly never advocated for us to come back mm -hmm. and do this. Okay. The legislature forced her hand. She could have called a special session without our signatures. That is full well within her authority. Okay, We're the ones that took it upon ourselves to get the required signature. So it's, this is the Republican legislature doing this work, yeah. not Governor Kelly. Governor Kelly has made a statement that she doesn't necessarily agree with the Biden mandate. That's all she's done. There's yeah. no action behind it. But we're going to see over this next year, as you see in election year politics, right, chances are some of she's going to sign some more more Republican-leaning legislation. Um, but again, we're going we're gonna to keep sharing the message that Governor Kelly uh, issued more vetoes on legislation last year than any other governor in history. Okay, yeah. 
And we as a Republican legislature overrode her vetoes more than any other governor in, has, in history. So, look, the, the writing's on the wall. We're going to keep sharing that information regardless of the, the decisions she makes and the bill she chooses to sign. Yeah, amen to that. Let's talk about the legislation that potentially could come out of the special session. Now that OSHA has come out with their actual details on the mandate, with charging anywhere between 17000 to $170,000 for businesses that don't uh, require the vaccine mandate for their employees of 100 employees or more, uh, with that type of mindset, and now businesses already starting to try and implement that here in Kansas, what can be done, and can we stop this madness in Kansas? So it's one of the biggest challenges, right? First of all, I've got to give a huge shout-out to our Attorney General. He is he is filing every lawsuit. He is challenging uh, every which way but blue. And you guys may have seen uh, that there was a stay on that OSHA mandate, mandate put on by the Fifth Circuit, uh, which, while we're in the tent, that still applies nationwide. Um, that was reaffirmed just yesterday, uh, again, when Biden tried to challenge that stay, uh, that basically the Fifth Circuit of the federal appellate court said, no, there is this, this gross unconstitutional overreach. It is grossly broad. It is not narrowly tailored. And so as of right now, um, that OSHA ruling is put on hold. Now, that's the good news from our attorney general. That's the good news from where the courts are going, and I think we're going to see a lot more success in the court. So the question is, what can we as a state in the meantime do? And that's what our uh, federal oversight committee has been working on uh, for the past two and a half weeks as we have met. And we've come up with what we believe are two two good solutions, and we'll see if more comes out. But the two that we have focused on is, is, first and foremost, everybody should have the ability to receive a medical or religious exemption. If it is a sincerely held religious belief, you should be able to file that paperwork with your employer, and they should accept it. Nobody in that organization should be playing God to decide whether that is sincerely held or not. There shouldn't be an undue breach of your privacy to see whether that uh, is indeed true or not. And so the first piece of legislation that we have worked on basically says, look, uh, employers, uh, you're going to accept religious and medical exemptions that are provided to you without having to take a deep dive into somebody's history. And by the way, uh, once you accept them, you can't be punitive either. Uh, So what I've heard from some of my constituents, for example, is, yeah, they had an employer that accepted the religious exemption and then gave them 90 days unpaid leave right? In, in a retaliatory mindset. Yeah. So we have have put that in the legislation as well. It says, yeah, no, you're not going to retaliate. Oh, and by the way, the next piece of legislation says, and if you do still terminate them, there is room. You now have a civil cause to where you can sue your employer and they have to pay your unemployment. Ooh. So putting some safeguards in step that, that really do follow uh, within federal guidelines already, right? Religious mandate or religious exceptions, medical exceptions, they're already allowed on a federal level, but we're seeing our employers here um, just not accept them, and that's got to change. That does have to change. Now, the frustrating part that I would say is that uh, we would even have to go through the red tape of trying to apply for an exemption is, you know, the, the religious exemption, medical exemption. I mean, essentially, isn't that still saying that, like, well, you know, you can do the law. We're just going to find the loophole to not have to abide by it instead of just like, hey, like, you just don't have the right to impose this at all. And we should just be able to go to work without even having to jump through that hoop. I mean, eventually, that's where I'd like to go. At least this is a good start to where we can move to that direction. But it's just frustrating to me that we even have to try and jump through that hoop of, sorry, my religion or my personal belief doesn't say that I need to get this. 
And, and you're right. If you could give me 84 conservatives in the House and 27 conservatives <laughs> in the Senate, we'd do a whole heck of a lot more. Yeah. But the reality is uh, we have about 55, maybe 60 conservatives in the House, and I don't, I don't know about the Senate quite so much. But the reality is we can't go as far as what many of us want to, right? Yeah. I am all for pushing all-out bans. I am all for forcing the Biden administration to come in and to try to force our hand. But the reality is we have to make sure that we have the votes to do something thing to offer those uh, protections to people. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd love to add just something like a conscientious objection, right? That just says, I don't want to take it because I don't want to take it and you can't force me to take it. Right. Um, however, again, we lose about 15 votes and then we don't have the majorities needed to pass anything. So at least under this, we're not defining what a sincerely held religious belief is. Sure. Uh, I heard somebody say that my sincerely held religious belief was that I was saved in 1964 and the Lord Jesus Christ is my savior. That's my sincerely held religious just believe, and that that should be good enough, right. in my opinion. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you, and we got to remind individuals that it's not just trying to find the majority here, but we have to find something that we can have with a supermajority because you know whatever yep. type of legislation is, more than likely Governor Kelly's going to veto it, so we have to make sure to be able to have the numbers to override it and actually make something happen. Yeah, that's one of the biggest things, and, and we tend to lose sight of that, and, and I totally get people's passion. I hear from my constituents and want nothing more than to go a whole lot further, but we have to balance that with the fact that we have we have to have that supermajority until we elect a new governor. We elect a new governor that's a Republican that gets it. We're a year away from that. Um, Katie, bar the door. Yeah, exactly. Uh, last question here before we kind of wrap up, but uh, with the lawsuit that Attorney General Derek Schmidt's working on to try and stop it as well, plus some other private lawsuits with businesses trying to fight the OSHA mandates as well, and then, of course, the courts that have kind of put it on halt and everything. Is there anything from the legal side of that that the legislature can piggyback on or work with or support in any way, shape, or form to help make sure that those actually go through and that we could see some wins on that side, too? You know, we're we're do, we're offering all the support we can to our attorney general uh, and his team. We, like you mentioned, we actually heard in the committee from uh, Chris Kobach that's filed a series of lawsuits on behalf of private employers um, to block these mandates. Uh, you know, we're 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 signing on to every letter and doing everything we can to support this cause uh, to to ensure that these things get brought to an end. And, and I'm telling you. There's some really compelling arguments uh, from from our best legal minds in the state that clearly show where these mandates are unconstitutional, uh, where there is no, you know, people people want to look back and say, oh, there's, you know, uh, U.S. Court v. Massachusetts where there was vaccine mandates 100 plus years ago. Very different types of cases than what we're dealing with now. Yeah. Never really in the history have has there ever been a mandate to go to work, you know, get a shot to go to work. Things like that have just never happened, and we need to ensure that they don't happen. Well, and it's a weird situation to be in, like you mentioned. I mean, it, I think what the lawsuits are going to come down to is uh, taking into effect vaccine rates of success based on natural immunity, and is there a difference between the two? So if you've already had the virus or if you don't know whether you've had the virus or not, but you may have a strong immune system, you have a success rate of actually being healthy, and you can still spread the virus if you've gotten the vaccine. You can still spread the, uh, spread the virus if you don't have the vaccine. So is there a really difference between a vaccine vaccinated person and a naturally immune person. No, especially since there's a there's a test that can show your natural antibodies to it if you've had it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like it's like we've conveniently forgotten about natural immunity. <laughs> or like I read an article about 10 days ago here in Wichita, and this was on mainstream CBS where they talked about um, doctors here in, in Kansas believe that we've reached herd immunity in the state. 
Mm. Well, if we've reached herd immunity in the state, why is any of this a conversation? And the only reason is, the only reason is because we have a federal government that wants to control our lives. And I, like you, are sick and tired of it. As much as, as we want to do more, as much as we sometimes are on opposite side of, of the Kansas Chamber of Commerce or other conservative-leaning organizations, the one thing we always have to remember is the only reason we're here is because President Biden got elected, and yeah. it's a federal administration issue. And that truly is where the problem lies. Amen to that. State Representative Stephen Owens, I know that you're busy. You're in a meeting already, so I appreciate all the time you give us. We love having you on the show. The good news, my friend, November 22nd, we are making this happen, a special session. We're going to get something done to protect Kansans. Amen. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you guys. And everybody, keep being loud. Really appreciate all the support. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. That's State Representative Stephen Owens. We always appreciate all the time he gives us. I know he stepped out of a meeting to do that one, so we greatly appreciate that one. That's great news, my friends. We're making progress. We're doing something. I think those 1,500-plus individuals that showed up to the rally a few weeks ago were heard loud and clear with the legislature and more and more of them signing on to make this happen. Got to take a break. Wrap up hour number one. We got lots more to get to. We'll get our AARP update here in just a minute. We'll get more phone calls. Plus, we'll get ready for our guests in hour number two. It's Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. Back again with the AARP, whether it's the Fraud Watch Network Retirement Calculator, getting involved in the community, no matter what time of year it is or what time of day it is, you can always check them out, aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also, make sure to find them on their social media as well. Mary's back on the line with us today. Mary, how are you? I'm doing great, Andy. How about you? Doing great. It's great to have you on. Uh, Still going through the month of November here. Now, this week is obviously Veterans Day. This month is Veterans Awareness and uh, trying to remember our soldiers and those who uh, have sacrificed oh so much in the country uh, uh, since really the beginning of the country. But unfortunately, there are so many veterans that have been taken advantage of when it comes to scams. And I know with you guys, with your Fraud Watch Network, you talk about so many different scams and we have holiday scams. We have online scams. We have Medicare enrollment scams right now. But a big one, obviously, is veterans being taken advantage of, which just kind of burns me up. But what's the latest that you guys have been able to find? Well, yes, you're exactly right. Unfortunately, we've done a a lot of research um, about scams and frauds and who is targeted most. And really, sadly, we find that veterans are more likely to lose money to scams than civilians. And in our report that we released um, this week, and it can be found on our website um, at aarp.org slash ks, um, we find that nearly 40% of veterans are more likely to lose money to scams and fraud than civilians. Mm. And four out of five military slash veteran adults were targeted by scams directly related to their military service or the benefits they receive. So it's really bad that scammers are, are targeting our, our veterans and military and trying to take money from them um, in a horrible way. So, um, so we, we know that it's critically important that folks um, learn about frauds and scams and the way scammers work and how they can take advantage of us and, and try to get our personal information. And I think it's just, you know, we all need to spread the word and make sure people don't fall victim to this. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. Now, what type of scams do, do they usually fall for? Is it, you know, giving money to, quote-unquote, veterans' charities? Is it online and, uh, and phone scams or a combo of everything? What's what's happening? 
Yeah, it's kind of a combination of everything. But um, we find that the top three are, one, benefits buyouts. You know, a scammer might call and they use some military jargon and they talk about specific government guidelines. And so they, they make it sound like they know what they're talking about. And so, sadly, what they do is they, they convince veterans or military to turn over their Veterans Affairs pension or some disability benefits for a supposed lump sum payment. But, of course, that payment never materializes. So then they're out of their pension. They don't have it anymore. So mm. be careful when someone calls and you don't know who they are and they try to tell you, hey, we're going to, if you will give us um, access to your benefits, we'll give you this lump sum and you can get it all now. You don't have to wait for it. That's and devastating. So, um, yeah, it's devastating. 47% uh, of those scams um, have been lost. So um, we know that it, it's huge to have that, that much and then the next one is fraudulent record scams. And here's something people should really watch out for. Military personnel do not have to pay for their military records. They're entitled to them. But some do. Scammers call and, and say, hey, you, do you need a copy of that? We'll get it for you. Well, you and, and of course, they'll charge your money for it because that's what they do. But uh, but they don't have to pay for it. There is there is no cost for a, for a veteran or someone in the military to get their own military records. So that's one. That was one with 32 percent. And then, as you mentioned earlier, the fake charitable giving requests. We know that veterans are very interested in giving back, and um, but unfortunately. Some people are calling um, and representing or saying they represent charities that they don't. So the money isn't going to the charity. It's actually going to the scammer. So those are the top three that veterans need to watch out for. Wow. How sad. It's unfortunate that it happens to anybody, especially our veterans, because they deserve so much respect as well. And so it's, it's sad, and we need to be aware of these and continue to fight them. And I'm sure that they're on the increase during the holiday season too, aren't they? Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. And there some of the other ones um, that we find there, too, the grandparent scam, they do that with veterans. Mm. Um, they, they, there's veterans who aren't using the robocall blocking service, so we really encourage people to block those robocalls and not answer phone numbers that come from people they don't know. And then also um, we really encourage folks, not just, just military and veterans, but anybody to put a security freeze on their credit report if they're not buying something, you know, a big item. It's good to have that freeze on the report so that no one can access their credit information. Sure. So, yeah. And then, like you said, the holidays are coming. We know that scams are coming. Medicare enrollment is here. Um, you know, scammers are just taking advantage of all those things that are out there. So, it, it, you know, people just need to be aware. Don't give information out to people you don't know and educate yourself. If you can spot a scam, you can stop a scam. Absolutely. we got just about a minute left here, but talk about what else is going on with the AARP. I know you guys always have your virtual things going on online, different webinars, different information. What else do you have going right now? Well, we have a uh, concert this, this Friday at 6.30 on our Facebook page, so we invite everybody to join that and listen to a Kansas artist. And, um, and then we have lots of other activities going on, whether you want to participate in a trivia night, if you want to watch a movie for grown-ups. 
Um, if you want to do a webinar, I, I participated in a webinar last night where I learned all about Ireland and Irish food and how it came to be. Mm. So it was very, very um very interesting to listen to. So lots of things out there. Just go to our website at aarp.org forward slash KS, and you'll find all the events in the event section. So Always great information. We hope people will participate. Lots to do for everybody. Yeah, lots to do and lots of great fun stuff to learn about. aarp.org slash KS for the state of Kansas. Also find them on their social media as well. Mary, we always appreciate it. We'll do it again next week. Great. Thanks, Andy. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. I got to admit, our last conversation in the last hour with State Representative Stephen Owens kind of made the day right now. I mean, obviously, there's a long day here, but hey, we got some great news. The special session happening November 22nd, trying to stop these COVID-19 vaccine mandates in the state, at least in some way, shape or form, giving us more opportunities, giving us a little bit more freedom. That's what we need to happen. Again, it's up to you and I to decide whether we comply or not on those, you know, non-law mandates. But, you know, anything the legislature can do to help out as well is good news. So we appreciate that. We'll get some more updates as that comes here in just a little bit. Uh, The week of Thanksgiving going into that one. They ain't messing around. Welcome into the show. Great to have you along for the ride. It's hour number two of Candace Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM, KQAM. Thanks for hanging out with us. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK if you want to join into the program. Uh, the show brought to you by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. For all your buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity, you can find them online at philscoins.com. They are open right now until 2.30 this afternoon. You can find them at 9344 West Central Avenue. For all your gold and silver needs, about the only guy in the entire state that has silver on hand. Make sure to check them out. Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. I'm still waiting, by the way, for the ones on social media I was debating with this week who said they were going to call and argue with me about the state budget, about how Brownback handled the economy, how about how Kelly's handled the economy, about the 6.5% sales tax on food that she has now, for the second campaign in a row, tried to use it a campaign tactic. Uh, I find it hysterical. The desperation showing, Kelly! And it's funny that when you start realizing that your popularity is dwindling, you use a conservative stance of, we need to keep people's money in their own pocket so that way they can spend it in Kansas. Because that's what we say all the time. And they are like, no, no, no. Social programs, big taxes, big government spending. That's the way to go. That'll really like spur the economy and stuff. Come on, man. Uh, let's get into it, shall we? Talking to our next guest. Super excited to have him on the program. It's been a while since we've had him on the show. I think since we've had the, the morning show during the week. So really happy and excited to have him back on. He is you know, kind of a big deal. He's uh, been featured through the Wall Street Journal with Bill O'Reilly. He's also served as the chief of uh, chief of economists for two separate governors. He has a, uh, a degree from University of Kansas, Washburn University School of Business as well, and candidate now for state treasurer. He's worked a lot with the Kansas Policy Institute. Excited to have on the program. You can find him online, austinforkansas.com. It's the man himself, Mr. Michael Austin. Michael, how are you, my friend? Doing well, Andy. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, yeah, it's great to chat with you, and I, I it's been way too long since I've had you on the show. This is the perfect time, though, because uh, the last hour I spent a lot of time, and I, I, I kind of called out Governor Kelly I mean, remind me, you've obviously been way more in tune with this than I have over the last few years, but 
I seem to remember three years ago when she ran for governor where she her two major campaign platforms was she was going to be the education governor to take care of education, which, I mean, even if we're in a, you know, pandemic and bankrupt for the state, we still, by golly, need to increase that educational finance. But the second campaign platform that she really ran on was that she was going to eliminate the sales tax on food three years ago. And every time the legislature has tried to put that on the table for her, she has shot it down. She has vetoed it. She's killed it because we need a more stable economy. We need to let the dust settle a little bit. We need things to get back to normal. I don't know if it's normal now with the COVID-19 pandemic or not, but I think this, I seem to think that she's had plenty of opportunity to kill the sales tax on food over the last few years. What do you think? Well, you know, there's a, a good quote by uh, famed economist Thomas Sowell. You ever, you, do you know Thomas Sowell? I do, yeah. He, he, says that, he says this. He says, no one will really understand politics until they understand that politicians are not trying to solve our problems. They're trying to solve their own problems, of which getting elected – and reelected are number one and number two, and whichever is number three is far behind. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, you're, you're unfortunately hitting the nail on the head. We've already heard, you know, the spiel from Laura Kelly three years ago when it comes to sales tax. Uh, another promise I particularly heard was that she was going to stop rating the highway fund. That oh. hasn't happened yet. Um, so it's, it's unfortunately uh, sad and unfortunate that we're just getting all these over-promises and, and, and under-delivery of results, and that's kind of why I'm deciding to jump into this ring here. So you gave me a, a, a long intro, but for, for your listeners out there, you know, if they want to get one thing straight, it's that, look, I'm an economist. What that means, uh, according to my wife, is that I take a painfully long time to explain the obvious. And I think when we're thinking about, you know, how far government has gone astray, maybe we need someone to come back and explain the obvious again. And so I'm running for state treasurer because I think that we should be the solution, not the government. I think that we need to make sure we care for our kids and our grandkids. And so I want to help craft a government that respects your money and returns your freedom to you. Well, amen to that. And the fact that you've served as the chief economist for two separate governors here in the state, let's talk about the evolution of our state budget and where we're at right now. I've been on the radio here in Kansas for, what, like seven years, I think, in the Wichita area. And uh, I mean, education funding is the perfect example. When I came on the air, I chatted with you around that time where education funding was at a record level per student at right around eleven to $12,000 per student at that time. This year, I've heard that it's all the way up to $20,000 per student for education funding because, by golly, we got to fund the education system and they're bankrupt and they don't have any money. Have we seen any increase in quality there? Is that what we need to be focusing on? Because that's still 60 to 65% of our entire state budget. You know, you talk about increase in quality. I don't know if I really even need to answer that question. Yeah. I bet I bet your listeners can uh, uh, go outside, talk to their neighbors, or I bet they have their own experiences of pulling their kids out of the public school system because of these lockdowns, school shutdowns, and then this indoctrination and activism that we're, uh, that we're seeing being force-fed to our kids. So you're talking about the, uh, the actual quality of, let's say, math, reading, uh, and writing. But not only do we know that that has been subpar, 
But now we know in the past year and a half that, you know, our schools are teaching activism instead of academics, that they are, you know, that they close schools for almost the entire year. And so many parents have been just uh, activated and upset and realized that, you know what, they need to do something about it. And so they pulled their kids out um, or they're running for office. And that kind of tells you where we need to be in terms of education. Uh, as state treasurer, what we're kind of doing is we're, we're focusing on a platform of educational freedom because we want to hold schools accountable. And more importantly, we want to make sure that parents have a say in their children's education. And the only way that you can do that is to ensure that, you know, $20,000 per pupil, that follows the student instead of the unions and the school system. Yeah, amen to that. Let's talk about the transition between the Brownback administration that I know you worked with a little bit and the Kelly administration economically. Uh, Because I got into a discussion, and I'm still waiting for them, by the way, to call into the show and argue with me here because they said that I was talking out of my you-know-what. But when we came out of the Brownback administration we had done some tax cuts which of course they attacked him for because you know evil tax cuts which now they're promoting for their new campaign slogan uh and then they uh we talked about the billion dollars in our reserves and our emergency fund that we tried not to reamortize our actual pension plans in the state of candace that you know the highway projects were actually getting back on track i mean i remember during that time we had the department of transportation on and we were ranked third in the nation for some of the best highways in the state Are we still at that level? And let's talk about the budget as a whole and how much we're spending and how much we have left versus what we have now. I mean, I know COVID's obviously thrown a wrench into that, but where are we economically in the state? Well, here's the sad and unfortunate truth. Kansas has a history of fiscal irresponsibility. It, it, that's, Oh, that's as uh, (laughs) as plain as I can say it, you know, just go back 10 years. I can sense your frustration. uh, yeah, yeah, and you know me, right? Uh, I am a bit frustrated, and, and that's kind of why I'm, I'm, you know, getting off my laurels and say, you know what, I want to, you know, help be the candidate I've always wanted to see, and and you know, make the difference in Kansas government that I've always wanted to see. So, as an example, you know, we think about uh, during Governor uh, Mark Parkinson, Democrat Mark Parkinson, he had supported, he had used the federal budget, the federal dollars from uh, the Great Recession to support the state budget. And then when those federal dollars went away, uh, he had to, you know, hack the budget uh, like with an axe, and then he raised sales tax. Um, go to, let's say, you know, the, the 2013 tax policy, which I think is it was still a good tax policy. It's always good to lower taxes. Um, but unfortunately, you know, what, what, what doomed that was that we never were, we were never able to cut spending. Um, you know, the, uh, they tried, of course, to slow the growth of spending, but it was never cut. So there was just an ultimate imbalance, and then taxes had to be raised on sales, and then income taxes came back up, and now we have a higher tax burden than we did before. And then now under Laura Kelly, we're, we're experiencing that same imbalance, but instead of, you know, um, taxes being lowered, spending is higher than ever. Um, I think the state budget is now over $8 billion. It's a record-setting mark. Um, And uh, for the longest time, it was outpacing uh, revenues. And uh, this year, what we're kind of seeing is is growth in revenues because of all the fiscal stimulus that have been uh, sent to Americans in spending. But you know, Laura Kelly, come next budget, is going to take all of that money and put it into, you know, her next big spending program, which is going to be on welfare and administration and helping out unions. 
She has talked about her entire administration over the last few years that every agency, every department at the state level is on skin and bones, that they don't have any money, that they haven't been able to upgrade equipment or software, they haven't been able to function just as a as a department that they actually need to because under Brownback, everything was stripped away and there was no funding for anything. Is that true? No. Okay. No, categorically false. <laughs> uh, in fact, here's something that I remember. Um, when I worked at the Kansas Policy Institute, I was their director of fiscal policy. So uh, what that means is I would advise state legislators on taxes and budgets and find ways that they can pass some uh, tax relief onto businesses and families. So I would propose, let's say, to a legislator, here's a plan for us to lower sales tax, or here's a plan to lower income, here's a plan to lower property taxes. And what I would get in response is exactly what you just said from Laura Kelly. Uh, the budget's already cut to the bone. Where are we going to find that money? I don't know if we can really afford this. And uh, why, don't, you know, why don't you tell me where to cut? Because I don't think that there's a way that we can do it. And I heard that excuse so often I got upset. And uh, you know what I decided to do? I wrote a state budget. Uh, <laughs> I took the Kansas 2019 budget, and I said, okay, fine. I'm going to institute a process here looking for waste. Um, put the process in, and guess what? I stopped at a billion dollars. Wow. And then I testified that, uh, testified that plan to the legislature, saying, look, here's the plan right here. You can take a billion dollars out of the state budget, and you wouldn't affect the quality of government services. Now, I understand you're a legislature. You're not going to follow this plan to a T. But at the very least, it means you can't give me any more excuses about tax relief. Yeah, it, it really shows, throws it in possible. their face. Exactly. It's always possible. It's always feasible. There are no excuses. And that's exactly what I want to bring to the table as state treasurer is to present those plans, present those opportunities so that the uh, you know Kansas people can hold their legislature accountable. I love it. We're talking with Michael Austin, candidate for Kansas State Treasurer. You can find him online, austinforkansas.com. we got just a couple minutes here before we have to wrap up. But let's talk about the last year with COVID-19 and how that has thrown a wrench into the economy, all the bailout and stimulus money coming in from the federal government. I, my always big fear, not just at the state level, but counties and cities and every even school boards that have received these tens of millions of dollars as if they're going to use it to expand their operations. Then when the money runs dry, then we have to raise taxes to compensate for some of that. Have you seen that happening across the state? And how big of a concern is that for us moving forward? Everybody's seen it. You know, uh, the inflation that you're seeing at the gas pump, the inflation that you're seeing with buying eggs and meat. Uh, the inflation that you're seeing with uh, normal durable goods, it all stems back to that government intervention. Um, what you what you're, what we're really seeing here is Biden's government-imposed lockdowns, the expanded unemployment benefits, the, the child tax credit, the, the vaccine mandates, all, just pick an intervention. It has created two different effects. One, it has made it increasingly comfortable for Americans to spend without end, and two, it has made it increasingly easy for more Americans to stay home without working, yeah. right? That, has what, that is what has led to the soaring consumer prices that we've seen, and it all stems back from COVID and government intervention. Just even put aside the civil liberties conversation, because that's a whole big talk to have. But, you know, the economy that we're in today can be directly traced back to Biden's failed reckless spending um, and unlawful mandates. 
You're speaking my language, brother. And I mean, I'm, I'm hoping maybe there's a chance that we could see these inflation rates go down. But I mean, we were just talking about between the 6.2% inflation rate nationally, plus the 6.5% sales tax we have on food right now, the gas pump, the grocery stores right now, we're looking at near 12% increases in what we really need to be paying at this time. Do you see, whether due to a political stunt, whether due to Governor Kelly actually taking credit for it after stopping it for the last three years, do you see them actually getting rid of the sales tax on food in this next legislative session in January? I hope they most certainly do. I really do. Um, and I'll add a little bit more of a caveat to it. When they do lower the food sales tax, I want it done in a, in a sustainable way. And that means you need to limit government uh, you cut taxes by cutting spending. We have to learn from our mistakes. Government has to learn from the fiscal uh, mistakes that it's done in the past. And the only way it can lower food sales tax and keep it down is by limiting the size of government. Bloated government got us into this mess. Fixing bloated government will get us out. That's what it's all about. Michael Austin for uh, or Austin for Candace.com is the website. Austin for Candace.com. Michael Austin, candidate for Candace State Treasurer. Brother, it's so good to talk to you again. It's been way too long. We got to get you back on the show again here real soon. Really appreciate it, Andy. Thank you so much for the time. Yeah, always great to chat with you. We'll do that again here very soon. I, I'm telling you, after the beginning of the next year, we're going to be talking to a lot of candidates because it's going to be election season here in Kansas for the midterms. And we look forward to chatting with uh, Michael and a heck of a lot of other people moving forward as well. We'll take a break. Open lines to you for a little bit as we get closer to, uh, we'll have Dave Trauber actually from the Kansas Policy Institute on after the bottom of the hour. It's Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. Twenty-six minutes past the hour. Welcome back into Candace Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. Thanks again to Michael Austin. I tell you what, that guy is a genius when it comes to the finances. Candidate for state treasurer. We've had some other candidates on as well. We'll get them back on. And it's been way too long since we've chatted with Michael. Again, you can find his website at austinforkansas.com. austinforkansas.com. And uh, appreciate his time very much. Interesting stuff. The fact that he proposed and actually wrote his own state budget. To be able to say how much wasteful spending is in our state government right now. And this is, by the way, at the beginning of the Kelly administration or just prior to her. How much wasteful spending is going on right now? What can we do to cut it out and still even not affect the quality of the the departments or agencies in any way, shape, or form? And he stopped at a billion dollars, meaning there were more. He stopped at a billion dollars that we could cut out give the tax money back to Kansans and still keep things functioning as they are today without any type of quality impact in any way, shape, or form. That's the government for you because they don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. They don't want to say, yeah, you know what? Maybe we should cut some of the spending. Yeah, you know what? Do we really need this? That's insanity to me. That's insanity. So now they're starting to realize that's what happens is that when you actually start uh, recognizing that and people become a little smarter, the tyrants... That are, yeah, I, I use the reference all the way back when, and this is not against the Catholic faith in any way, shape, or form, but I'm going back to like the Middle Ages. Remember when the Catholic Church itself used to be like, oh, don't learn how to read. We'll tell you what the Bible says. And other religions did it as well, but that's kind of the first example that comes to mind. Uh, you remember those when they're like, don't worry about what it says yourself and trying to learn it yourself. We will tell you what it says, so you just do whatever we tell you to do. And that's when they changed things and they made things happen, and then they really controlled people. They were able to go and force people to pay these taxes and say, if you want your, your ancestors to go to heaven, you need to pay the fine to the church. 
This is exactly what tyrants do. They love to keep the people uneducated and uninformed and unintelligent so that way they can just say, do what we tell you to do because you don't know any better or any different. The mindset of the elitist higher up, uh, you know, deep state or whatever you want to call it at the federal level, at the state level, that mindset is real. And Governor Kelly is the perfect example of that because she thinks that we're too stupid to recognize that she tried to campaign on cutting sales tax on groceries three years ago. She doesn't grasp that we understand that government is not on skin and bones. It is not on its last leg or else we have to shut down the agency because we have uh, we don't have enough funding coming into it. They think we're too stupid to recognize this, but yet they continue it on. So what happens is when they get caught... Then they changed their tone. She's an unpopular governor. She's been a disaster to, during the entire COVID-19 pandemic. She's losing in the polls right now going into the election. So what does she do is that we start to realize, wait a second, yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, you said you were going to get rid of sales tax on food three years ago when you campaigned. We caught on to it, and instead of just trying to dismiss it and put on the blinders like they usually do, now she's coming out and saying, oh, yeah, okay, so we're going to have this big campaign. We're going to have these slogans in the grocery stores. I'm going to, like, stalk people in the grocery store and watch them buy groceries. I'm going to do this whole thing, axe the tax, while she's sitting in a grocery store holding an axe in front of the vegetables because that's going to be the big slogan now because she got caught. So now she's using the conservative talking points to say tax money back in your pocket means you're going to reinvest in the state by spending more of your money. What a concept. We've been telling you that as conservatives for the last 20 years and beyond. Lots more coming up. When we come back, Dave Travert, Kansas Policy Institute. He'll talk about this some more in depth. and We'll have some fun with some of the state economy stuff going on. It's Candace Talk here on the Big Talker KQAM. to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Darn right. Welcome back in. Last half hour on the home stretch here for Kansas Talk this Saturday. Covered a lot of ground today. It's been a fun one. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK if you wanted to call it. I'd still, I'm waiting. If you're on the social media and you were the ones arguing with me about how the economy is so great under Kelly, <laughs> you're more than welcome to call in. I'm still waiting on that line. I got a special line reserved for you at 316 721 8255. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, thanks again to Michael Austin coming on the program last half hour, uh, candidate for Kansas State Treasurer, and he's been associated with this organization as well, Kansas Policy Institute, and super excited to have on the program with us. Uh, whenever we talk about economic issues here in the state, I always got to get this guy on as we have the Axe the Food Tax from Governor Kelly trying to cut the grocery sales tax. Again, I find it ironic. She's changed tones. Uh, Kelly, I can hardly recognize you anymore. I mean, she was the one right during the COVID-19 pandemic that still got her hair done when the salons were shut down because they were non-essential. And then she tried to say, no, I didn't go out to a salon. My husband cut it or something. Uh, and then, of course, she was all about the mask mandates until she's not with the vaccine mandates because, that, uh, by golly, we got to do something different for the state of Kansas. And now she's going back to the same old uh, line of talk with the sales, food, uh, sales tax on food. After saying she was going to do it three years ago on the campaign trail, and then I don't know how many bills we've stopped over the last three years that included either from a 1% tax reduction to a complete dismantling of the 6.5% sales tax on food over the last few years. But now, by golly, she's in the grocery store with that axe right in front of the uh, the produce aisle 
saying she's going to axe that tax, stalking people. Apparently, she doesn't know how the prices are because she doesn't do grocery shopping herself. I don't know. But she's got to walk around with people and see what they put in their grocery cart and be like, I can save you $500. It's like that weird car salesman. Let's talk about it with Kansas Policy Institute. The man himself, Dave Chaubert, on the line with us here. Dave, how are you, my friend? Hey, good, Andy. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. That's perfect timing. I, am I being too harsh on Kelly right now? Because this is frustrating. I know it's politics, and I know she's probably desperate with the seeing the poll numbers going into the midterm elections, but this is like the ultimate sign of, of embarrassing desperation to me. Yeah, well, Andy, you just, as you often do, you just committed a, a major political sin. You are holding a government official accountable to their own words. <laughs> You're not supposed to do that, man. That's right. That's right. I can't be doing that. I just should look at this campaign and be like, oh, wow, she's doing something great for Kansans. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's Governor Kelly. Like, I mean, to be fair, not just Governor Kelly. There's Republicans and Democrats who do a lot of the same thing. They just kind of uh, put their finger up in the wind and see which way the political winds are blowing. And that's the way they want to go, regardless of. Uh, what they've done in the past. And when you look at uh, Kelly's history, it, it's been just the opposite of what she's wanted to do. Uh, I mean, you go back to before she was governor. Remember the criticism of uh, Sam Brownback and those evil Republicans who wanted to cut income taxes? Yeah. And how did they want to do it? They wanted to use reserve funds. And now what does Kelly want to do? She wants to use reserve funds to cut the food sales tax. Uh, it was a bad idea then. It's a bad idea now. She doesn't want to reduce spending to uh, take $450 million out of the state revenue. She just wants to pretend she can do it without costing anything. She knows better, but, you know, she, with, with a few exceptions like you, she can count on media to not remember uh, all these crazy things she said in the past. Wow. Unbelievable. Now, do we still have that billion dollar reserve fund that we had at the end of the Brownback administration? Because that was a big talking point as well. It's like, oh, my gosh, we replenished the reserve funds in the state when Brownback left and Kelly took office. Do we still have that? Yeah, it's there. And, and of course, that's that's a hoop, you know, saying that there was re replenished. That's like saying that's like having a, a mugger say, look how much more money I have. <laughs> uh, they took money from someone else. Come on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th yeah. It's there. And and it's you know it's a healthy reserve right now, but it's the main reason it's there is we raise taxes. You know, Kelly vetoed uh, after we had the 17 and the 18 income tax hikes. Then Kelly comes in and starts vetoing tax cuts. Yeah. Uh, she forced taxes to go higher when the federal changes in 2017 had had an impact on state revenues, if, you know, things like you can't itemize anymore at the state level if you use the federal deduction. So you're, a lot of people were paying more tax. She wanted to keep that going. You know, you look at her, uh, go back and look the history of her tax council she appointed. For the first two years of her administration, she was setting Kansans up for the next tax increase. Yeah. She appointed tax and spenders to her her pet council, and then she got them to come out with all kinds of recommendations to to raise taxes going forward. And and now the, with COVID, she backed off, and and now she's wanting to go the other way. But she's not willing to pay for it. She just wants to you know vote for me, like a lot of again Democrats and Republicans will do. 
It's insanity. I mean, the fact that we, we, we see this, it's in front of our eyes. You can look at the state budget. You can look and see what they've done. And I asked uh, Michael Austin about this in the last uh, last half hour when we had him on the program, but I want you to elaborate a little bit more as well. Uh, when she comes out and says, you know, we can't, when she said she was going to cut the sales tax before and then she got into office and said, no, it was because we need the dust to settle. We need the economy to stabilize. And oh, by the way, the uh, agencies and the departments were running on skin and bones. They were barely functioning when she came in because Brownback stripped them so badly that they were about to shut down and they couldn't even operate efficiently. Uh, and that's why we need all this money and we can't do that yet. Yeah, we got to beef them back up a little bit. Was that true? And is that still true today? Oh, of course not. <laughs> uh, you know, it was it was it was part of the campaign talking, and it was part of the media pitch about those evil Republicans. Uh, and and to be fair, the Republicans, a lot of them, made some mistakes because they also would not cut spending. Sure. Uh, and, and we're talking about cutting waste, not cutting uh, services. They wouldn't do it. But no, when when she took over, uh, the uh, general fund spending was at an all time record. It was not decimated like they pretended and like media said. It was increased. Now, you got to keep in mind, it didn't increase as fast as government wanted. And when government doesn't get what it wants, then that's a cut. Yeah. But only in government speak is that a cut. Of course, yes, yeah, she said it was decimated because that was the excuse. Mm. And she'd get away with it because, A, media set it up that way, and then, B, media is going to give her the cover she wants. They refuse to hold her accountable uh, like they screamed at a Republican in the governor's office. Of course. But no, it wasn't decimated. It was just a lot because that's the focus. She wants to grow government at the expense of taxpayers. And it's not just her. You're seeing the same thing at the local level. Uh, there was an article in the Eagle this week uh, asking uh, county officials what did, what did they think about uh, – because if the food sales tax goes away, it's going to have an impact on local governments too. What did they go to? Immediately a property tax increase because, heaven forbid, we cut back on the growing size of local government. Yeah. No, we're just going to shift the burden. And that's exactly what Kelly will end up doing if – or whoever is governor. That's what will happen if you don't cut the food sales tax and offset it with a what amounts to about a five percent uh, increase in efficiency, it, it, we just have to get a little bit more efficient <laughs> in how we provide the services. But oh my God, no, that would just well that would just decimate it, and we put you know we wouldn't have any government left if we got a lousy five percent more efficient. Let me put that in perspective for you, Andy. In 2019, a billion or so ago in in state funding. In 2019, Kansas spent 42% more per resident than the states without an income tax. They all provide the same, you know, education and social services and transportation, but Kansas spent 42% more per resident providing those services. We only have to get 5%. We can, we can still be grossly inefficient. We just won't be morbidly inefficient if we cut back 5%. Sure. Yeah, how dare you tell the government you need to be just a little bit more efficient? To them, that is a shock and awe. How dare you even consider something like that? Let's talk about the Department of Labor for a second. I saw the, the report that we lost near $700 million in fraud claims over the last year because of COVID-19. Governor Kelly, of course, pawned it off just like Obama did with George Bush. It's, oh, it was the previous administration, didn't invest in it, we're using bad software, using old computers, so on and so forth. 
did we have enough money to work on those programs? Was that already in the works? Or what is the story with that? And why did we lose so much money in that? Well, uh, like so many things that have come out of, on that issue, it, it, it comes under the category of the dog ate my homework. Hmm. Um, you know, this, first of all, are they using old computers? Yes. Did Governor Kelly ever propose spending money to replace those computers when she came into office? No. And, 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 and if some of the increase, some of the, the fraud, may have been re, uh, a blame on the computer system, but the majority of it was on incompetence. There was a what, something as simple as, you know, we've all done this. You go purchase something online and you check the little box, the CAPTCHA box that says, prove you're not a robot. Yeah. That was one of the recommendations to put into the unemployment system so that robots, you know, hackers couldn't just come in and, and take money. Well, it was said, no, that was too hard. We couldn't do that. Baloney, you can't do that. That's a simple software fix. It was, it, it, it's just the intransigence. The bureaucracy does not want to change. Right. They, they want to use everything as an excuse to blame on someone else. It's funny. It's unfortunate, though, too. We're talking with Dave Travert, Kansas Policy Institute. This sales tax on food, do you think it's actually going to get cut? And do you think it's all going to go away? Do you think it's just going to get shortened a little bit in this next legislative session? Obviously, Kelly's promoting it now, so she's going to want it to happen. Republicans have been wanting it to happen as well. And, of course, the political side is going to be, well, Republicans came to my side and they compromised and worked with me in a bipartisan manner, and I did it going into the election season. But do you actually see this happening in January? Uh, it's certainly possible. Uh, what what should happen, though, uh, is the Republicans uh, in House and Senate leadership should be saying, yes, you know, we've been talking about this. It certainly is a good idea. How Here's how we would pay for it. And then put it back on her and say, Governor Kelly, will you pay for this? So that, you know, because like you said, it was a bad thing when Brownback used reserves to uh, cut taxes. Yeah. And, and let's learn from that lesson. And, and here, here's some, we'll get 5% uh, more efficient, and that's how we pay for it. Are you in? Yeah. And you watch her go running for the hills. I know that we're going into another two-year budget cycle at this next session, so we have a lot of things that they will have to look at and, and work on and, and those sorts of things. But with that, what do you see forecasted out for the state of Kansas moving forward? Do you see some more tax increases? Right now, and we've been using the inflation rate as an example, right now we have a 6.2% inflation rate year over year, making prices higher. Obviously, food and everything else having a 6.5% sales tax in Kansas. We're looking at a 12% increase on prices unnecessarily here in Kansas. Is, how much of an impact is that going to have trying to work on our next two-year budget cycle when it comes to taxes, when it comes to government spending, and could we actually get some relief here moving forward? Well, let's look at it this way, Andy. Uh, we're now in our fifth consecutive decade of economic stagnation. Uh, it, it's been uh, more than a decade, uh, pushing two decades, that we've had uh, we've lost population from more people choosing to leave Kansas than to move into it. These things aren't going to turn around. I mean, we're, we've got one of the slowest recoveries. Uh, at this point, uh, it's going to be till the end of 22 before we get back to private employment level that we had in January of 2020. Wow. I mean, this is not getting better. It is getting worse gradually. And that's, you know, it's, 
as long as it's just gradually getting worse, then everybody, Republicans and Democrats alike, will find ways to keep kicking that can down the road. But they have, you know, we don't compete with Missouri. We don't compete with Nebraska. We're competing with Canada. We're competing with the world. And, and we are not competitive. We have some of the, uh, we absolutely have, this is Tax Foundation. We have the highest effective tax rates on mature businesses in the nation. Wow. We have, some of the highest property tax rates, effective property tax rates in the nation. We have the ninth highest combined state and local uh, uh, sales tax in the nation. We have places in Kansas that have, have higher sales tax rates than New York City. Sure. For goodness sake, everywhere you look, we are horribly uncompetitive. And that is not, our economic situation is not going to change for Kansans, uh, for individuals, for businesses until we start moving getting rid of some of those barriers and right now there's there's not consensus on doing that well this is i mean i think that drives people to go to the polls in the midterm elections because we need to cut spending we need to deregulate and get the economy going again and while we started getting a majority in conservative republicans in the legislature and i think we did relatively well this last year we have to go further we need a conservative uh, governor to actually push through some of that stuff as well it's dave Jobert, kansas policy institute kansaspolicy.org is the website go and check them out dave i could talk to you for hours on this stuff i get all dorky and, and geeky when it comes to this so i appreciate the time my friend it's always good to talk to you. We'll do it again here real soon. All right. Thanks again, Andy. Take care. Hey, always a pleasure. Steve Chabert there with the Kansas Policy Institute. All right, we'll take a break. We got one more segment. We got some calls on the line. Don't hang up. Don't go anywhere. It's open lines to you when we come back. We'll get your phone calls and we'll wrap up today for a Kansas talk on KQAM on this Saturday. Stay here. into the program. All right, we got just got a few minutes left here on the show. Joe Pegg's live with the weekend coming up right around the corner here on KQAM. Make sure to stay tuned in for that one. Also, we have oh, your Shocker sound off. Getting ready for the Shockers basketball game. That'll be here on usually that's over on Sports Radio KGSO. We have Oklahoma Sooners football at that time, so you can hear Shocker sound off our one-hour program, kind of our pregame for the Shockers game leading up to it. That's at 1 p.m. right here on KQAM. Doug Downs will be doing that one. Stay tuned in there. We have, what else do we have going on? We have our, of course, word of the day on KQAM. Still be listening. Two words that you have throughout the day, the morning one and the afternoon one. Lots of promotions going on here on KQ. You can also hear the Voice of Reason, my national broadcast, weekdays from 4 to 5 with our flagship right here on KQAM as well. With all that said, let's go right to the phones. Open line to you for the last few minutes here. Line at number one. Good morning. Who's this? This is Rod. Rod, how are you, my friend? I'm doing okay. Hey, you got a good show. I'm thank you. Sitting at a sitting at a farm auction, but you know this uh, unemployment. I had some direct uh, involvement in that. You know, back in February, um, when the fuel costs went so the heating costs went so high, yeah. my company shut down because their heating bill is going to be so so high. And so to get unemployment, you got to call an out of state company called LexisNexis out of California to verify your identity and they know you had to know what color car you was driving 13 years ago and <laughs> and uh where your daughter's address was and they knew more about me than me but how much did the state spend on a out-of-state company that was one question but the reason i called was about this uh these vaccine mandates you know i, I was in the hospital with that stuff and and i got the vaccine but uh 
you know, to me, it's about the freedom. And I just wonder, these people getting fired or laid off, do they have a right for filing a lawsuit for wrongful termination? Yes. Uh, yes. And people are working on that. There are a lot of lawsuits from private businesses going after these things, which is why we recommend that if your business, if you're working for somebody else and they mandate it not to quit, but to let them fire you and to walk you out the door, because that way you have grounds. Man, to actually go to the lawsuit because if you quit then you're essentially saying okay i agree to your terms that you, you have the right to do it but then you yeah, walk you, out on your own free term so yeah don't you quit give up. exactly you've given I up know, so yeah but that, that's such a such a hard thing for people to do that it go is. paycheck to paycheck i know but it. hey the other the other two things i was going to quickly bring up is this uh, farm bill they're running through congress and mm-hmm. being in a farm state it's all about uh, equity and we know what that means it's not equality it's about separation and uh, so maybe in another show you could unpack that a little bit because, uh, yeah, you know, it's going to happen before people know what's happening. And anyhow, about Laura Kelly, it's all about this uh, out-of-state uh, campaign contributions. You know, Ben and Jerry right. was one of her biggest, biggest ones. And is there any way to limit that? Because Barbara Ballier outspent Mar- uh, Roger Marshall so much that it was all out-of-state and if that continues, um, you know, our big cities are going to take over our small Kansas uh, rural yeah. values real quick. I'm right there with you on that, that one. That, that, I, I that wish... was my two questions. Well, there's, there's a lot of stuff to unpack there. And, uh, yeah, we do need to spend right. a lot of time on another show to, to break all that down. On the campaign stuff, there's not really much we can do to limit the out-of-state money coming in. But what I've been proposing that I think we need to do is look at doing an electoral college process at the state level like we do on the national front, based on electoral college votes per state that's based on population to where when you vote, then they cast the vote that way. And that way that protects the rural communities and smaller states with less electoral votes to where we at least have a say. Because Governor Kelly, out of the, what, 96, 98 counties there are in the state, she won seven That's how she won the election last time. She won seven counties out of the near 100 because of the population in the inner cities. So we need to address that. And you're right. We need to have some type of fairness in our rural communities uh, on that front. So that's a work in progress. And that's something I've been really trying to advocate for for a really long time. Well, and today's the first day I heard of Michael Austin. He's got my vote. So uh, Michael thanks Austin's for having a, him on. Yeah, Michael Austin yeah, is a great for, guy. He is a he is a genius right. economist, and he's been a, a chief economist for two different governors. And yeah, I, I am a big fan of him. We'll have the other candidates on for you to hear as well. But I am a big fan of Michael okay. Austin, and he's going to be great. Hey. Hey, thank you. Hey, appreciate the call very much, my friend, and uh, good luck at the uh, the agriculture stuff. And I, I'm sorry to hear about your business. That's devastating uh, for the. Oh, that, I mean, yeah, that, that that fuel cost was crazy, and now. These smaller ones, like I know a guy has a tire shop, and and they're, um, you know, they're f- kicking the can down the road, raising his uh, his fuel bill so much a month to pay for what he used in February, which was no more than any other year. But yeah, yeah, when that jumps fuel up six hundred percent. You can't do it. And this year, with uh, nope. all the environmental crap coming from the federal government, we could see natural oh, gas prices up to fifty to hundred percent increase from last year on natural gas bills this year. So get ready for that. Yeah, I don't know if anybody can. Thank you. Yeah, hey, appreciate the call very much, my friend. 316-721-8255. It's sad. We are in a crunch right now between the food sales tax that needs to go away, so at least she's talking about it. Maybe we can actually get it done now. The inflation rates that's going on, the gas prices, the natural gas prices. Again, you could see a 100% increase on your natural gas bills this year from last year because of what the Biden administration's doing with the lack of coal we're burning, with the lack of fuel that OPEC's bringing into us, with the lack of energy 
the independence that we're doing at the national level, they're doing it intentionally, driving up those prices. We're not going to be able to warm our homes in the wintertime. Hopefully we don't have a bad one. I'm telling you, it's devastating. So I feel I feel horrible with those businesses shutting down from those uh, utility bills from last year. Don't lose faith, though. And yes, if you work for a company, I know it's hard for that paycheck to paycheck. Don't quit. Let them walk you out. Start that litigation. And let's start changing things and turning them around. Appreciate you listening. Back at it on Monday for The Voice of Reason. Podcast up in a little bit. We'll be back at it next Saturday for Kansas Talk as well. Until then, have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio.